You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Wait, wait, the, the Nickelodeon show? Do what? The Nickelodeon show with Mark Summers? Dude, it's back. What? Yeah, they've remade it. It just started like, um, it just started this week. Oh. What? He's on it too. He's, he's not like the main host. They've got a, well, he's kind of like the host and then they've got a chick who's um, doing the, apparently she's like a YouTube girl or something. What is my childhood? Oh, dude, it's great. I mean, it's, it's just like the old days. Oh, my God. It's just like the old days. It, they, they don't quite have the, um, they don't quite have the same, like, uh, non-worry for human life anymore. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's not quite as dangerous as it used to be, <laughs> which was always the best part, like, people getting concussions and shit during it. <laughs> But, I mean, it's, it's, it's Double Dare. I mean, it's, it's just like when we grew up watching damn Double Dare. So it's Double Dare, not family Double Dare, though. No, it's Double Dare. Yeah, it's the two-man team. So, yeah, hey, I'm, hey, look, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind watching Double Dare at all. Wow. And I, I always feel so superior to those kids because I know all the trivia answers now. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> damn right. I mean, really, who doesn't know who Amelia Earhart is? Stupid kids. What is this? Lisa Koshy. Interesting. Yeah, Liza Koshy. Yeah, or Liza. Like a YouTube person or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool little show, man. It's just like Double Dare we used to watch. It's got the obstacle course. All that good stuff. Yeah. Physical challenge. Wow. Kids not knowing how long a damn NBA uh, shot clock is. Uh, 24 seconds. There you go. You don't even watch the NBA. My God. Yeah. Stop. If you make noise, you cannot stay. (laughs) That includes what you just did. Does it sound like a gun going off? And if a gun's going off, it's going to be a real gun. Thank you. That's the physical challenge. That's the physical challenge. That's the physical challenge. Speaking of physical challenges. Oh, Jesus. Welcome. (laughs) The Rogue State World Cup awaits. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Germany. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 216. I am Edward Green, joined by my call in crime, Wes Bradshaw. A great episode coming up for you guys today. Big World Cup recaps coming up. We have everything ending uh, in the group stage except groups uh, G and H. The last two are going to be played tomorrow. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday night. The uh, one that matters most. Yeah. So, so here's the fun part, kids. Um, between this recording, Wednesday night... 
and we're going to be doing a special recording next Tuesday night at the end of the round of 16 for the knockout stage. Uh, England will have played two games and may very well just be out of the World Cup. So this is gonna, this is going to be a fun one. Um, so we'll, they could be the odds on favorite. Could be all in. He's, he's caught it, folks. He's caught the fever. Um, so we are, of course, going over that. We have a little bit of news and notes to get to, uh, including some actual shockingly big FIFA fair play news. Um, we also have uh, Watch 4 and so on. That's something I never thought I'd say on the show. Big FIFA fair play news. Um, as always, we are presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. And the World Cup certainly doesn't over in Russia. Um, last, what's that? I agree. It went whew. Yeah, it's true. Um, as we start in Group A, let's we're going to just go group by group recapping because, again, six of the eight groups are now done, and we know who's going through uh, to the knockout round. And uh, as of right now, there is, there is we had some groups of death. Now we have a side of the bracket of death. Um, one is much worse than the other. Um, but we're, again, we're going to start in Group A. And last we potted, boys and girls, um, we were like, oh man, Russia, big win over Saudi Arabia, big win over Egypt, eight goals for one against, six points, they're top in the group. Uh, they just got to beat Uruguay or maybe just even draw with them, and they're going to go through as group winners. We're going we're gonna to know so much about Russia. When, when uh, they play Uruguay in their final group stage match. And now we do know things about Russia. And um, they're not great. Uh, a 3-0 loss to Uruguay. Luis Suarez bit down hard and scored in the 10th minute uh, to quiet the Russian crowd considerably. Uh, but they got even worse as Denis Chirchev, who had been very good so far in the tournament for Russia, actually scored against Egypt and Saudi Arabia, had an own goal this time uh, in the 23rd minute, and within the first half hour, Uruguay was up 2-0. Russia would then take a red card and go down 10 men uh, before Edison Cavani got on the scoreboard, good for him, uh, in the 90th minute to seal things up. With that, Russia... Or sorry, Uruguay topped the group with nine points to Russia six. In the other match, uh, Egypt looked to get out of there with their a, a win in the group stage through Mo Salah's 22nd minute goal. But Saudi Arabia came back just at the end of the first half with Salman Mohammed Al Faraj uh, scoring a penalty, and then in the dying moments in the last kick of the game, Salah Mohammed Al Dawasiri uh, put one in for Saudi Arabia to get them their first three points. Of the tournament, and uh, that that's kind of the death knell for Egypt. They they let go of their coach after the match. Not a not a very good showing in Russia. Again, Mosalah coming in hurt and clearly not at a hundred percent physically or plane shape wise, having to get uh, ready so fast. But Wes, um, turning our attention back to Uruguay and Russia, Uruguay. Really showing throughout the group stage that defense you've talked so much about uh, coming up to this this part of the World Cup, and then Russia is it is it time to pump the the hype brakes or or can they still make a little bit of noise in the knockout rounds? 
I think it's absolutely time to pump yeah. the hype brakes. Yeah, probably. Uh, one of the biggest reasons is look who they're about to play in the knockout round. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, you know, when, when we talked about Russia in the uh, – when we previewed the World Cup and talked about Russia, um, the point I made was that, you know, I really thought that being having that home field advantage would give the Russians a boost. And, I mean, I stand by that. I think that absolutely happened. I mean, look, they did in the, you know, when they were playing teams that were more at their level, maybe not as good as them, I mean, they did exactly what they should have done on home soil, and they basically beat the snot out of those two teams. And that's what they're supposed to do. Now, the fact is, you're quite just better than they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're about to run into a team that's just better than they are, too, so... (laughs) I expect them to be done pretty quick, but you know what? The Russians, they, they do what host countries do. They get out of the group stage, and they get into the knockout round. So, you know what? They, they've done exactly what they should have done in this tournament. I mean, I would just say at the end of the day, it's a success for uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, prize men. <laughs> he loves his men. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned, I think, last week, talking about South Africa and how they didn't even advance. Uh, from the, the group stage in 2010. So certainly, you know, and this was even a team where up till Mo Salah got hurt, I thought Egypt might even be able to pip them and take second place in this group over them. So so again, to get out of this group and to, again, beat Saudi Arabia and Egypt as, as decisively as they did, um, that does say something good about them. But clearly, they are a notch below teams like Uruguay and the team they'll be facing in the knockout stage. Yeah. I mean, they, they beat they beat who they were supposed to beat. Yeah. And they're losing to who they're supposed to lose to, and I expect that to continue. <laughs> but, once again, I mean, that, hey, that's a successful tournament, you know? Yeah. I mean, hey, we can't all, we can't all be heavyweights. Yeah. England. Um, so any, any thoughts on Uruguay going forward? This is their first, the first match in the tournament that they've scored multiple goals. Um, and, and for them, they, they unfortunately, as much as we're joking about Russia's next opponent, uh, their reward, unfortunately, is going into the side of the bracket of death. Um, and, and, but still, the way some of these teams are playing, and if their offense is getting going now... Uh, as we head into the knockout round, this this could be a very dangerous Uruguayan side. Well, it is, and I mean, you know, that said, this is this is kind of what we predicted for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to our official predictions, you know, we had them at this point playing who they're playing, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, we we had them going through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I feel pretty good about Uruguay at this point. I mean, I'm, I feel solid for them. Um, they're, they're, doing, they're, they're quietly doing what they were supposed to do. In, in a tournament where teams, have, especially big teams, have been stumbling left and right in this group stage, uh, Uruguay comes out uh, of their uh, group without conceding a goal right. in three matches. So very impressive. Um, some teams that did stumble can be found at Group B, um, and 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 this was one I said before the tournament started. I said it. I think Iran can get out of this group. I really did, 
and damn it, I was about a foot away from being right. I was so, so, so close. Yeah, you, were, you were about a foot away from just having the call of the tournament because when you said it, I thought you were damn crazy. I, I just, I didn't believe in, in, in Portugal enough, and I, I, I was impressed from what I saw from Iran uh, back in 2014. I was impressed uh, what they had done in qualifying. Um, I, I really think this is a good Iranian side, and unfortunately, they did have a little bit of fortune early in the tournament when they got the late winner against Morocco on an own goal, but their luck ran out uh, against Spain and Portugal. Again, very close matches. They lose 1-0 to Spain, uh, as we covered last week, through Diego Costa's goal. And then this week, they draw Portugal 1-1. Ricardo Quaresma with the goal in the first half for Portugal. Uh, Iran gets a very late penalty from Karim and Sarafard, scoring in the 93rd minute. And then just 60 seconds later, Iran misses a near point-blank opportunity into the side netting that would have given them the win and would have sent them through over Portugal uh, into the knockout stage. Uh, Actually, I believe they, yes, they would have won the group. They would have won Group B. Um, And that is also in a little bit to Spain not being able to beat Morocco. 2-2, the final there. Uh, Ishko and uh, Iago... Yeah, Iago Aspas having to respond to Moroccan goals. Aspas with the goal in the 91st minute, um, which actually would have allowed Portugal to win the group. Um, So Iran, again, very close to going through with that. Uh, I believe Spain would have still owned the tiebreaker against Iran, so it wouldn't have mattered if they had lost um, without Iran also picking up the victory. But... Uh, I mean, Wes, these are Portugal and Spain, two of the stronger teams in the tournament. They they took care of business in this knockout stage, but only barely. And as for Iran, uh, along with one or two other teams in this tournament, at least up to this point, they are they are tough luck third place finishers, but can absolutely go home with hands held high. Absolutely, um, you know the Iranians they. Uh... They defend resolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're not—they're not a team that really scare you on the attack, or really even the counter attack for that much. Um, but they do—they defend their asses off. And they kind of got into this tournament. They were taking—they were taking their little chances when they got them. Mm-hmm. They didn't have many. They didn't create very. <laughs> but uh, you could tell they were well drilled. They were well coached. Um, and at the end of the day, it would have been kind of cool to see that team go through. Mm-hmm. That's it. The way this tournament has worked out, I think the teams who deserve to go through have been going through. Sure. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been less impressed with Spain than Portugal. Y- yeah, from, from and where? And for the reason that we know who Portugal are. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. been who we knew they are. We know they're a limited team with arguably the best player in the world, um, and, and a few guys around him who can set him up. And that's exactly what they've been, where, on the other hand, Spain, uh, you know, the firing of Lapitalia two days before the tournament, it looks like it is 
I, I wouldn't say it's thrown them into a complete tailspin because they did get out of the group. They did, quote, win the group. Mm-hmm. But this is a squad that looks nothing like what we were expecting to see from Spain. And I think um, I think it's just proven to be a big distraction to this group. And also, I mean, they've just they've kind of lost their way. Mm-hmm. They've just been fortunate enough a few times to that enough things went their way to still top this group. Well, the first goal for Morocco in their in their two two draw by Khalid Matab, um, that came off of a horrible exchange in the back with Sergio Ramos, yeah. which. Hey, you know, if Sergio Ramos had made an error to knock Spain out of the World Cup, that would have been pretty hilarious. Um, but I wish somebody had just gone in and broken his leg on it. Only, um, but yeah, for for a team that we picked to make it to the finals of the World Cup, Spain has looked very, very poor, especially defending. They give up two to Morocco. They gave up three to Portugal, um, and again, two of those. Yes, Ronaldo scored them, but one was on a De Gea error, and the other one was also sort of a De Gea error in setting up the free kick defense. So this is this is a Spain team that might, weirdly enough, have to shoot their way to the final. But Ed, that said, and we'll get to it obviously when we bring everything down, by winning the group, they've ended up in the right side of the bracket. Yes, I, I will. Maybe I, they could still find their way to that final. I will. I will agree with that. And uh, with that, I will say that uh, that makes our matchup Spain versus Russia on July first in Moscow. That's going to be a fun environment for Spain to play in. And look, we we expect Spain to go through there, but Russia playing in their home capital. Um, against a Spain team that has looked shaky, especially defensively, if they get rattled early by a goal from Russia, I don't... And what's weird with Spain is somehow the greatest strength of their team, which was supposed to be the world's best goalkeeper, David De Gea, De Gea has faced six shots in this tournament and has given up five goals on shots on goal. Yeah. Has one save. I mean, I, this is. <laughs> I heard someone say because, man, I, I'll tell you, I've been eating up as much World Cup coverage as absolutely possible. And I think my favorite line was, <laughs> "You can tell David Hay is tired of having to carry Manchester United the last three seasons." <laughs> so the, the weight of them on his back for three years is finally catching up with him this summer. You're right. It's it's. That it, might be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say uh, before we move on to group C um, you mentioned Spain is, is Spain is in the easier set of the bracket, especially as things stand right now. I won't yes. disagree with that. I'm going to make a bold claim though, and say that even though it's the easier side of the bracket, I think the team that has been the best so far, this world cup is also on that side of the bracket. I mean, for Spain, it's, it's one of our old sands. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's like you're doing everything wrong, but it's kind of falling into place. For you, so. Yeah, I I am I'm and we'll get to it in a little bit. But I'm I'm a little worried if they get past Russia, I'm a little worried for them in that Let's next see. matchup that they'd most likely face. Um, oh, we get to talk about 
My, my, my yes. second favorite team ever. You yes. have you have converted. Um, you have converted me, I should say. Uh, but before we get to that team, let's talk about Group C. Um, because for the this first no fun to talk about. for the first time this tournament in thirty two matches, I get to say one of my favorite lines from our Premier League coverage: Denmark nil nil with France. It happened. Let's move on. Um, That's the, about all there is to say about. That's about all there is to say about France in this whole tournament so far. Um, yes, and I will say, watching that match, um, Stu Holden is now my spirit animal apparently because he was saying what I was thinking with with ten minutes to go. Uh, I believe John Strong was his partner on the call, and John Strong said ten minutes to go. Here in uh, Moscow, and I believe Stu Holden said, that's about five minutes too long. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I, he also made another comment later. I think, like, when they put up stoppage time, I think he said something to the effect of, can it just be zero? Can can we just get out of here? Because it was, this is this was by far the worst match of the tournament. This was t- a team with almost no impetus to go forward in Denmark, knowing a draw got them through. And a team in France that had no impetus going forward, but not because they didn't want to. It's just because they were terrible at it. This was, and to be fair, this was a French team that was heavily rotated as well, knowing that a draw won them the group. So not a whole lot to play for. Uh, with Peru beating Australia 2-0, that uh, sealed Australia's fate and not being able to advance. Peru as well was already eliminated. Uh, so France and Denmark go through, but Wes, you're right. Denmark, outside of a few uh, moments of Christian Eriksen brilliance, have been incredibly pedestrian this tournament. And France, uh, I, they, they, they won the group. They, they did that. My thing with France, we have no. I, this tournament started what basically two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We still know nothing more. Is, is France good? I don't know. On paper, player by player? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Are they a good team? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And they haven't convinced me. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, going into the first match against uh, Australia, they were fortunate to get three points. Mm-hmm. And then the second match, you know, they, they win 1 0. I mean, with a squad that has players that you should. You would be thinking they would be putting up like England and, mm-hmm. and you know one and God, the champ is getting just murdered in this tournament. He should. Now, I think the only thing that's maybe kept the champ off some people's radar is that Sampioli has been just that much worse. Yeah, but I mean the champ is oh god, his tactics suck. His starters suck, and his substitutions suck. Well, and it doesn't help when you tell the media. I believe it was the, I, I believe it was after this the match against uh, Peru. He, I believe he said something to the effect of you know we've won both matches. I wish everybody would kind of cool cool out or chill out a little bit. I'm like, but dude, you haven't been convincing in either of them. That's that's not our point. Going, okay, Jose Mourinho, we understand some rotation in that final match. Sure, yeah. But if I'm France, I think, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at maybe 60 minutes of my starting 11 going, 
you know, we need to find a rhythm. Yeah. We need to get something going here. We need to be, you know, we need to be flying going forward. And now, you know, they're going into the knockout round. And, and buddy, they, they ended up on that tough side over there. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, now, as far as that side goes, they may have a pretty favorable draw. Mm-hmm. But once again, that's on paper. Yeah. I mean, this is a France team that on paper is as good as anyone. On the field, they are not. Yeah. <laughs> and from what we've seen, they are not as good as anyone. So, ugh. I mean, that's all I can say about France is, Yeah. Gross. Um, and, and Denmark, you know, they, they've got they've got Christian Eriksen, who is a transcendent talent for them. If it wasn't for him, I mean, they would be just... They will be ultra ooey pooey. Mm-hmm. I, agree. I mean, he, he makes them so much better, and I just—I don't know. I, especially with their draw, I don't see them lasting much longer in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia—they weren't anything special this year. Peru underachieved, I thought. Mm-hmm. I, I still—I think the Peru that we saw in the third match. If we had seen that team in the first two matches, I think they really would have pushed to get through in this group. Because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in this group really impressed. Anyone. No, this was Group C for the group of crap. Uh, uh, Roger's group of crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that one's free, MIB. Um, group D. Uh, this was the group of damn son. Yeah, yeah. this group was kicked. Oh man. Uh, well, last week. <laughs> From here on out, it gets better. It does. It gets. It gets better. Um, we didn't get. Uh, so these are the now. We're looking at groups that played only one match last time we talked. So now we get to go through two again. We'll go through these pretty quick. Um, Argentina got absolutely destroyed by Croatia in their second match. Uh, goals from Modric and and Rakitic in that one. And then coupled with Nigeria's 2-0 beating of Iceland, thanks to an Ahmed Musa brace, made things in this group very interesting, where Croatia had pretty much locked up winning the group, and then it was, okay, who's finishing second? Because everybody was still alive. Um, yeah. And Argentina, they, they Lionel Messi finally shows up, even though he'd been okay this entire tournament. People just overreacted he showed up in the 14th minute put an 80 sublime goal to get argentina up one nil and then things kind of started to fall back apart for argentina uh victor moses uh scored a penalty in the 51st minute off a a clear handball from argentina and then and then Mar- by the way at that point at that point argentina yes at that point argentina was out nigeria was through uh because croatia uh, was also, uh, I believe at that point, beating. they had just taken the lead against Iceland 1-0. Yeah, uh, and Iceland showed no impetus. Mm-hmm. Then Iceland did get a penalty in their 76th minute of their match, which Gilfie Sigurdsson took, and that made it 1-1, which meant an Iceland goal would actually have them go through. Yeah. So it was, it was just bizarre. And then Marcus... Frigging Rojo for Argentina in the 86th minute puts in a shot from about 10 yards out on easily Argentina's best cross of the game. Of course, this was about five minutes after uh, Iguain had missed the chance that everybody, I think, thought when he missed that, it was like, well, that's it. Argentina's done. 
Um, but Rojo Rojo made it 2-1 for Argentina. And still, at that point, if Iceland had scored again, Iceland would have been the team to go through. Um, They were not the ones to go through, however, as uh, Croatia would add a second through Ivan Perisic. Um, Croatia winning 2-1 over Iceland knocks Iceland out of the tournament. Uh, Croatia wins the group. Uh, with nine points, a perfect group stage, um, and Argentina holds on at the end to beat Nigeria 2-1. Argentina goes through in second place by a point. Maradona flipped people off. Uh, it was it was a bizarre game. Um, but Wes, this is, you know, first of all, Argentina barely escapes. But also, I know you want to talk about Croatia, you've been singing their praises since our first World Cup preview three or four mark, weeks ago. Croatia, Mark, I said it. And, and that's, that's the team. I said, you know, Spain's in the quote-unquote easier bracket, but Croatia's there in that side of the bracket too. And I think Croatia has been the best team at World Cup 2018 so far. I think right now on that side of the group, I think they might be your actual favorite to go through to the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, whatever the bookies say, that's different. <laughs> um, but just from what we've seen on the field, and this is, of course, not knowing where England or Belgium are going to end up yet. Sure. Um, or anyone from Group H, which I don't – no one from Group H has been as impressive as Croatia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have been they, – they've been great. Um you you just when you start with them you just you start in the midfield and the best way to just see how deep they are is to look at who's on the bench. <laughs> look at who doesn't play for them. Uh yeah, and they play for like Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, it's it's a very good team. They're very they've got really good balance. Um and it's finally coming together, it seems, for Croatia. And of course, they got the rotten Dejan Lovren in the back. Of course, <laughs> who actually seems to be like better in a Croatian shirt. Um, but that said, hey, we gotta give Lovren props, man. He's hey, ever since Virgil Van Dyke came in, his, this has been a different guy at the back. So, um, mm-hmm. But Croatia plans just spectacularly. Um, not much more to say about them. Argentina, Jesus God. We could easily probably do a full podcast just on Argentina. Yeah. Um, throw it out to Rojo. Yeah. We forget about it in the last match of the 2014 group stage. Argentina beat Nigeria on a Rojo winner late. Wow. Didn't remember that. So, uh, you know, he, he, he definitely has a team that he shows up. Yes. Um, the four years in between, oh, you man, United fans can tell us how great that was. <laughs> Uh, but the fact that he took that on a volley, I mean, God, that was a magnificent goal. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, that was a goal. If Messi had scored it, people would be just losing their ever-loving shit about it. Um, and Rojo scored it. It was a great goal. A uh, huge moment. Um, Messi, Messi, you know, and the thing is, you know, Messi scored in this match. And suddenly everybody's right back on the messy nutsack. We always believed. We knew you were the best player here. Oh, now look. Messi does become the first player to ever score 
in the World Cup as a teenager in his 20s and in his 30s. Yeah, that's impressive. Which that's a pretty cool stat. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Messi, and even in this match, other than that, I mean, completely starved of service. Yeah, absolutely. His, his team around him has not helped him one bit. Rojo for scoring that goal doesn't mean Rojo's exactly been very good in this tournament. <laughs> uh, Mascarano gave away that penalty. Yep. I tell you, man, just the way that you know we we got on to Champ earlier. Sampaoli, who the fuck is this guy watching? <laughs> I mean, is he watching the same team we are? You know, everybody's giving Mascarano hell for that. Tackle. Good. I mean, terrible tackle from a guy who knows better. Mm-hmm. But if you look at this, they're playing that three-at-the-back bullshit. Mascarano's having to cover, like, the entire field. He is all over the place. The t- just tactically, they are set up so poorly. He has used his substitutions so poorly. Has Paolo Dybala seen the field yet in this World Cup? Um, let me check. I don't think so. I... I know we did not see it against Nigeria. Let me let me check the other two matches. I don't think he's been in yet. I mean, this is Paulo Dybala. I mean, I can understand you not starting him because of Messi and Agu- What the fuck? What is this blind loyalty to Higuain that every time manager seems to have? Higuain is one of the worst fucking international players I've ever seen. It's not good. I mean, he's terrible. And you've got a guy. And I'm not saying Dybala is the be all end all. There's a reason he's not playing much. Dabala can do more than damn Higuain at this point. Um, the substitutions have been terrible. The timing's been terrible. Uh, Man, Argentina, you saw the, the Bonega pass that set up Messi was just perfect. Yeah, that was great. And you just see what happens when someone gives the guy a chance. Yeah. Give Messi a chance to actually score, and he seems like he does it. Uh, penalty kicks notwithstanding. Um, but Argentina, I mean, they're there. You could you could almost say, well, they don't deserve to be there, but at the same time, if they don't deserve to be there, who does? Because Nigeria absolutely shot themselves in the foot twice mm-hmm. in this tournament. Yeah, and, um, and you know, Iceland, Iceland nearly uh, could have made it through. Again with the goal against Croatia after after the Sigurdsson penalty, but they just they just didn't have enough uh, to to really. Iceland got a lot of love and deservedly so, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I, I still think one of Iceland's biggest pluses in the Euros was the fact that no one thought they could do shit. Mm-hmm. And here, I don't think anyone was surprised by Iceland. Well, maybe Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's that's the other thing. Like also, this was. You know, and I think this is kind of the one we had pegged at the start of the, the tournament. This was probably the group of death. I mean, for Iceland to get put in this group. I mean, if Iceland gets put into, I don't know, like Group H instead of Poland, maybe they go through. You know, there's there's a couple other, you know, groups that, you know, maybe if they're in Group A, maybe they go through. Um, but this group was, was just so tough. You know, Nigeria is a team that looked very good. Um, and even, you know, as I think we said last week and people have been saying, uh, through the tournament, this is a team that was really built for 2022 and already yeah. looks really good. Um, Argent- yeah, they showed us a lot. 
Yeah, and and they draw with Argentina with you know one one in the beginning with all their foibles. They still have one of the two best players in the world, and then Croatia has just been phenomenal. So this was this was a very tough group for Iceland, um, and combined with what you're saying, not being able to sneak up on people, this was going to be a very tough ask for Iceland to get out, and they were a goal away with with ten minutes to play, or yeah plus including stoppage time, they were a goal away from being able to do it. Like they came, again, just like Iran, they came very close to being able to do it, but they couldn't quite uh, finish it off. So yep. with that, though, um, going to the knockout stage, uh, Group C winners France will be host uh, taking uh, on Argentina on June 30th. And on July 1st, uh, Denmark will have to face off with Croatia um, and West that's that France Argentina match that could be just the the two teams in the knockout stage uh, that have disappointed maybe the most so far in this tournament <laughs> well that are still in the tournament yes, yes. <laughs> because we definitely got one of those yeah um, and the thing is you know I don't, I don't know where to go with this match yeah because Argentina, they've still got Messi. Mm-hmm. And it looks like maybe they figured out, man, we should just get him the ball. <laughs> um, but then you've got France, who, yes, player-wise, are a better team. But are the French going to show up ready for a fight? Because I, that's one thing about Argentina. They're, they're ready to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, they put in a hard shift. They just just aren't good. Yeah. Um, but but you've got maybe the two most tournament squaring off with each other in Sempaoli and uh, so you know what, Ed? Somebody's got to fuck up here. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see who it is. Uh, and that that's to me that may be the most fascinating. Mm-hmm game in the knockout stage in the round of 16 that may be the most fascinating who who will snatch defeat from the jaws of victory one exactly one. who can fuck up lead? um also before we we right before we head on to group e um did want to mention you had asked earlier about pala dabala pala dabala has played 22 minutes in this tournament um came on in the 68th minute of their second game against Croatia as a substitute. That is, has been... Oh, yeah, but they were already getting killed. Yep. Paolo de Ball. Good player. Maybe he'll play, actually. Um, Group E for sort of easy street, I guess. Although Brazil (laughs) made it tough, I guess. They felt like playing on all pro mode in FIFA. Um, Took them to the 91st minute to score against Costa Rica in their second game. Uh, but Phil Coutinho did it again. 91st minute, puts Brazil ahead. And then Neymar just scored because that's what he does. And then he cried because that's what he does. That's what he does. Um, so they get the 2-0 win. Switzerland uh, comes back against Serbia uh, after a very early goal from Alexander Mitrovic in the fifth minute for Serbia. Uh, they get goals from the howitzer of Granit Xhaka. That's the thing about Granit Xhaka. He's always due for a red card, but he's also always due for a worldie. Um, and really, that's that's what you want. You want that sort of inconsistency from your midfield. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then 
possibly former Stoke man, Zerdan Shakiri won it for Switzerland in the 90th minute with a huge goal uh, to keep their, their dreams of uh, going through to the knockout stage alive. Uh, Brazil then in their match uh, t- yesterday, or no, today, uh, took care of Serbia rather easily through goals from Paulinho with another assist from Phil Coutinho and Thiago Silva. And then Switzerland drew Costa Rica 2-2. Just a not very good game. Um, but Switzerland goes through as a second-place team. Costa Rica finishes last. Serbia finishes third. And Brazil wins the group. And, you know, it was a little nervy, maybe, in, in that Costa Rica match because they left it so late. But West Costa Rica never looked to win it. Other than that, like, Brazil have gotten through fairly unscathed. They've only given up one goal. Marcelo did pick up a knock in the match against Serbia, but they're not quite as head-scratchingly as bad as France, but they haven't really inspired me that much either yet. Um, Coutinho's been magnificent. Yes, he has been very good. Um, I mean, he is, God, he's by far been their best player. Yes. Um, and part of it, I mean, I really think part of it is the fact that you know, Neymar, for as much as Neymar's getting on everybody's nerves, Neymar is playing himself back into shape. Yes. And I think I think people know that, but it's still been overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that ankle injury, was it ankle, it was an ankle or yes. leg? Or, mm-hmm. Whatever, Neymar. Um, <laughs> you know, that injury that he suffered back in the spring... It, it has really, it's hampered him. He's, you know, he, he may be 100%, but he's just rusty. Yeah. And the thing with Neymar, we talked about it last week, you know, when Neymar wants to make sure he's the center of attention, Neymar can really slow a team down. Yeah. Because instead of taking a dribble and a quick pass move to get the ball back, Neymar will stand there and want to do tricks and flicks and then gets his ass fouled, and that stops everything going forward. Um, I just, I still think, I believe this Brazil team has the highest ceiling of any team there. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes from the fact that, I mean, they, they've been able to still win matches when not hitting their highest gear. They've still been able to win matches and still do it somewhat convincingly. Now, that said, I just I don't think anything in the group other than Switzerland really gave them any issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, they're deserving group winners. I still think they're the best team in this tournament. And I still think that, I still think Brazil's a team that can round themselves into form mm-hmm. better than like a France. Because I think with France, I think it's a mentality issue. With Brazil, I think it's, you know, it's been the integrating of Neymar and Neymar trying to get himself back in, or into the kind of shape that he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Switzerland, you know, they finished second in the group. That's what we figured would happen. Um, really, really fun second match uh, against Serbia which has some background things to it because there are a few players um, on that Switzerland team, mm-hmm. including the two goal scorers, 
Thor of Albanian descent. Yes. That being Shakiri and Jaka, a few other ones. And, of course, if, if you really, really want to find out some really fun geopolitical shit, <laughs> you know, the stuff that I crave in these World Cups, um, you know, you go and check out the history between Serbia, Yugoslavia, Albania, those areas, and there is definitely some tension. And it just seemed like when Jaka and Shakiri scored, it was almost like the, that meant more to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it was it was fantastic to see. It was a really cool moment. And um, I just I think that's the most fire that I've seen Switzerland play with in this tournament. And the thing is, I don't think they can just summon it whenever they want. And I think that's what makes them really dangerous is being able to take it to that next, that next level. But I don't think they can just get there whenever they want to. It's almost like they need something to push them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's going to hurt them here in the knockout round, I think. Yep, and we will uh, we'll find out uh, now who they're matched up with. Uh, it's probably not who you thought it was going to be. And not even the other one you thought it was going right. to be. Group F for fuck everything. Oh. <sighs> so we take it back to last to, to the game two, uh, Mexico. Yep, Mexico was they were they were celebrating. It was all good. Uh, they get a two one win over South Korea. That wasn't even as close as that scoreline indicates. Uh, a late Sun Hyung Min's goal really saved South Korea's blushes in that match to even make it two one. <laughs> Um, and, you know, luckily for Mexico, at this point, you know, no team has ever has not made it to the second round. Mm-hmm. They're fine, right? Yeah, and, and and hey, they were almost locked in. Uh, Sweden took a uh, a 1-0 lead over Germany uh, in, in their match. Then Marco Royce scores, and you're like, okay, it's 1-1. Sweden uh, still very much has the advantage. And you're thinking, what the hell's wrong with Germany? And then Tony Cruz saves them in the 95th minute. And so they win 2-1 on a free kick. And you're like, okay, Germany's good. The, the first the game was, yeah, the, it, was a, it was a blip. It took them a game and a half, but they have finally arrived. Everything's going to be okay. They just got to beat South Korea, and they're through. Easy peasy. Because everybody's beat South Korea so far. Yeah, exactly. Um so, so uh, Mexico, they're like, yeah, six points. Sweden and Germany have three. All we have to do is get a result against Sweden. We're going to win the group. All good. Um, Sweden had other ideas to start with. Uh, they put three in the second half up against Mexico. And really, what do we like to say, Wes? Could have had five. Um, Sweden absolutely destroyed Mexico in this match. Um just a very for, for a team that looked to, to just win the group in a fairly tough group just looked pitiful out there against oh, and, and in the first in the first I mean Mexico were extremely dangerous Mexico missed many opportunities in that first half mm-hmm. Mexico should have had the lead at half mm-hmm. um, and then who knows what happens but then oh my god the second half happened and that's there I mean there was basically 50 minutes of chaos in this group. Yes, so Sweden takes the 3-0 lead at the 74th minute. Of course, the last match in these group stages are always played concurrently, so time is about the same in each of these matches. 
Germany, South Korea, still nil-nil. So at this point, Sweden's going through. Sweden's going to win the group. Uh, unless Germany finds just one goal. Just one goal. 50th minute goes by. 60 minutes go by. 70 minutes go by. 80 minutes go by. And I and think... Even at this point, it's no problem because Ed, we the old adage. You know, <laughs> two teams show up to play a football match. They play for 90 minutes. No one scores. And at the end, Germany wins. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it it looked like it, Um, you know, and then Germany, uh, I believe it was uh, Mats Hummels uh, missed in the final 10 minutes, (laughs) three or four. Mats Hummels had the guilt edge chances that strikers dream of, and unfortunately they kept falling to Mats Hummels. Oh, and it was so, I just, just, and remember folks. Because of the results Sweden was getting over Mexico, a Germany goal would have knocked down Mexico. And as Wes said earlier, no team that has won their first two matches of the group stage in this iteration of the World Cup has not made the knockout stage. And Mexico was on the precipice. All Germany needed to do was score a goal. And not only did they not do that, but they let uh, South Korea get one on the break from Kim Jong-Gwan. And then, so it's like, okay, well, now Germany needs two. They got to score two. Manuel Neuer plays up. There's like nine minutes of stoppage time. And then it's, as I believe Arlo White described it, one of those empty net hockey goals. Uh, they they pit, throw it forward. Sung Young Min is the only man out there. He gets on gets onto it, buries it, 2-0, game over and still Germany had another chance or two at the end to at least get a it's consolation goal. Part of the reason we ended up with that stoppage time is because they originally disallowed the South Korean goal. Yes, the the first, the first South Korean goal. Go back and the VAR hit that up. Mm-hmm. We were all just holding our breath for a couple minutes there. And yeah. Then oh my gosh. Originally ruled uh, it was supposed to be offsides. And then I believe it was Tony Cruz who actually yeah. was the man who passed backwards towards goal, which put Young Guan on side. Um, right. it just oh man, and and so Wes, you know, elation from Mexico that they actually still do go through with that result, even after the terrible performance against Sweden. They do go through in second place, which means they are on the side of death. Uh, but Sweden. No Zlatan, no problem, apparently. Sweden goes through as group winners. And, I mean, even when Sweden beat South Korea 1-0 when last we talked, and Mexico had beaten Germany 1-0, I don't think either of us would have put the teams in order Sweden, Mexico, South Korea, Germany. Because that's right, folks. Germany finished dead last in this group. It's it's mind-boggling, Wes. God, I don't even know where to start talking about this. I don't know. There's so many talking points. And, uh, let, let's just let's start at the top. Um, I mean, Sweden, without the talismanic Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the guy who kind of had dominated Swedish football for so long. I mean, are we getting a Ewing theory here? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, this is this is the soccer version of the Ewing theory this year, where you, you know your all-time greatest player has retired. From international competition, and suddenly everything's clicking, <laughs> finding a way to win. Um, Sweden are a dangerous team at this point. Um, Mexico, 
let me go into my Mexican commentator voice because God, I love listening to this guy. Chucky Lozano and Carlos Vega and Chicharito and the Little Prince. Yeah. I love listening to them. Guillermo Choa. I mean, Mexico through two matches and a half were so freaking impressive. Mm hmm. And then they just fell apart the second half. And you've got to wonder now, you know, they they had every chance to end up on that good side of the bracket. And now they end up with, spoiler, they end up with Brazil. Yes, they did. I mean, the one freaking team you don't want to see is Brazil. And that's where they end up. And it's almost like this whole Mexican run, this whole feel-good factor that Mexico brought, due to a shit 45 minutes, has all gone to crap. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we know where this story ends now. Um, but, I mean, Mexico, man, God, you, you know, hate them or love them as a U.S. They have been so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're entertaining. They play an entertaining brand of football. Um, they've kind of got this maverick kind of renegade feel to them, which is cool to see. Um, you, you know, they've got the great announcement. We love them. <laughs> We love that man. It's so much fun to listen to. And now you're sitting here like, oh shit! Now look what look what they get. You know, one slip up and look what they end up. South Korea, you know, South Korea played for pride today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could and see they, it when when they scored those two goals. You could see it yeah. on their faces how much it meant to oh, them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I also think they were playing for the fact that you know South Koreans eat free in Mexico for like the next six months. <laughs> yeah. I think some of my favorite uh, crowd reaction videos were um, the fact that uh, in Mexico City, like the South Korean consulate yes, was being that. carried on their shoulders streets of Mexico City. <laughs> I mean, that's magnificent. It does not get better than that. That is that is one of the reasons why this is why we love it. It's one of those moments. It's like, a, this is why this is great moment. Um you know, South Koreans and Mexicans are like BFS now for at least the next four years. Um, and then we come to the the team that was the second favorite in the tournament, four to one going in. Number one in the FIFA rankings. We we know we don't. Oh yeah, really... FIFA rankings mean yeah. so much, right, Poland? Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that. Sure. sure. Um, you know, no, as you said, number one in the FIFA rankings. Defending World Cup champion, last year's Confederations Cup champions. <sighs> Germany picked the absolute worst possible time to suddenly get really old and re- yeah. no longer listen to their manager. Yeah. <laughs> and it all happened in the last two. Um, you know, people who threw a fit about, why, why didn't you take Leroy Sané? And say, oh, we didn't need Leroy Sané. Man, you know what they really needed in this tournament was some pace. Yeah. You know a really fast guy? Oh, yeah, that's Leroy Sané, <laughs> who would have been perfect. Who, turns out, would have been perfect for what the Germans wanted to do. <laughs> um, Leroy Sané is uh, actually German for Landon Donovan. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Except he's young and vibrant. Yes. And good. Um, Joachim Lowe, it decided, like a week before the tournament to start changing what he does. And man, 
mean, he's right there. You know, Sampioli and DeChamp are getting killed. Yergi Lowe's right there with him. Yeah, he, he's he's done, right? He's, he's fired. He's done. Well, that's the thing now. He, see, here's the problem in Germany. A, he's contracted through 2020. Now, contracts are the mm-hmm. toilet paper you can use on We understand that in this world. But the problem for Germany is there's no one else who really wants the job. <laughs> which is weird to think about, but at the same time, you know, when he's been there for 12 years, they've had fantastic success. He's won a World Cup. I think any other manager would have already had his walking papers, but he has that World Cup in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the fact that there are no high-profile managers who are like, oh, God, Germany job. You know, uh, Lowe is one of those guys who he's never proved himself at club level. Right. I mean, he just, you know, for whatever U.S. fans think about your Jurgen Klinsmann basically Butch Davis, <laughs> Joachim, Joachim Lowe. He left him, like, so freaking loaded it wasn't funny. <laughs> so I guess um, that makes Jurgen Lowe the Larry Coker of world football. Um, sure. Yeah. Larry Coker yeah. usually uh, smells his balls. Oh, Larry Coker. Uh, yeah, Larry Coker scratches his nuts and then smells it. That's everybody's favorite thing ever, by the way. Oh, man. But, you know, this is a German team that, you know, they become the the, the third straight defending champion to be bounced mm-hmm. in the knockout round or in the uh, group round. And one thing I think that kind of happens, and especially happened here with your look, is I think when you go and you win big with a certain group of players, you kind of become like beholden to that group of players. Mm -hmm. And where Germany probably needed to go in and do some surgery on that squad, it was, I mean, obviously there were a few differences because, you know, old guys retire and some young guys come up. But I think Lowe, he he stuck too much with that 2014 squad. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, where he should have taken a Leroy Sané. And the interesting thing is, you mentioned it, like, Spain kind of did the same thing four years ago. Exactly. And Italy did it before that. Yep. You know, and I understand it's this 22 situation where, you know, you're looking at guys like, well, shit, obviously they're good because they won the World Cup. You know, we got to take these guys. And then your other side of the thing is, you know, if he had taken a younger squad and let and they gone out. Then he's getting slaughtered for, mm-hmm. oh my God, what's your problem? Why didn't you take Matt Hummels? Why didn't you take Jerome Boateng? Who, by the way, may have been the worst player in this tournament. Yeah, not very good. Oh my God, Boateng was terrible. You know, there, there's a reason that Bayern Munich looked so off at this year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Bayern Munich did not look like Bayern Munich of all in a lot of music players there. But it, in the end, as we are right to do, this is completely Mezzanoso's fault. Of course. Because he's just, he's horrible. Terrible. On a personal level and a professional level. He's just horrible. Ignore, ignore the perfect cross he had to set up uh, Matt Hummels for what would have been a match-winning header. Totally ignore Instead that. Instead of using his head, Matt Hummels decided to use his shoulder. Yeah, just... Um, uh, still Ozil's fault. You know, I mean, to me, Ozil 
not, not that we can really scapegoat if we will, because that's what we do. Of course. Um, it's kind of our, it's kind of our gimmick. <laughs> um, but Ozil to me kind of embodies this German team. Yeah. In a lot of ways. He's a guy who has performed so well in the past, but over the last few years, even at, especially at club level has not been at his best. Mm-hmm. But yet it, it's like, well, he's a Yuri Lowe guy. And he's going. And there just seemed to be a few too many of those guys this year. Um, I mean, this is a German. This is a German squad that I don't expect Germany to stay down. Mm-hmm. I mean, just when you look, I mean, look at the Federation Cup team. A lot of those guys were not in this tournament, and they were fantastic. And they're young, and they're up and coming. Uh, Timo Werner had a terrible tournament, but I think. I think part of that was, I think a lot was dropped in his lap. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, all right, kid, go get him. Like, Shit, how many international matches have I? Um, but Germany just sucked, man. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, I think we all, everybody in the world, soon, once Tony Cruz put in that magnificent world, worldy of a goal, Okay, well, this is where they got it. They got it now. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, this is a team that literally played one good half of football. <laughs> and it was the second half of that swing game, and it still took a near miracle for them to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, Germany 110% did not deserve to go through in this. Um, there's going to be some sort of an inquisition in Germany. I don't know how deep it's going to go, how, how many heads are going to roll. But uh, it, it, it is time to turn the page for Germany. Time to turn the page, uh, start bringing in those those younger players, and, you know, see where you can go from there. But, you know, Lowe is right up there, like I said, with Sampaoli and Deschamps. His substitutions were terrible. His tactics were terrible. And his team were just, they were just terrible at the end of the day. They just, they didn't get the luck. I think that, they didn't get the luck that Argentina got. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get the draw, really, that, um, mm-hmm. that France got. Agreed. And um, I will say real quick with Sweden, um, you know, I think one of the things we're going to look to Mexico with is now how do they respond after after the, the drubbing by Sweden um, in that second half? One thing about Sweden that really impressed me is this team could have just completely died after that Tony Cruz goal in the second game. And so they come back and beat Mexico 3-0. Like two- yeah, and and the fact that they came back that is that is a huge testament to to what that team is trying to build there, um, and and if and now it's up to Mexico to kind of replicate that a little bit. They had a very bad half of football, and now they're going up against a great team. Excuse me, in Brazil, and that's what they're going to have to do. So again, at the draw on July second, Brazil will play Mexico. That's going to be insane. And then on July 3rd in St. Petersburg, uh, Sweden gets Switzerland. So an all-UEFA group there. Um, real quick on a Group G and Group H, because these groups haven't finished yet. They will finish tomorrow after we've recorded this podcast. For Group G, it's okay. Uh, England and Belgium have both gone through. They're both six points to Tunisia and Panama's nil. Um, so they're fine. England destroyed Panama 6-1. Uh, the first half was basically the same that they had against Tunisia. But this time they actually finished 
and they got penalties called. So they they put up five in the first half against Panama, got the sixth in the second, uh, and then Panama added one super late on. Uh, Belgium kept on trucking against... And, and, and real quick with England, just as everyone predicted, a Harry Kane hat trick and a John Stones uh, brace. Obviously. I mean, Harry, Kane, Harry Kane's going to win the Golden Boot, so that's, that's how it has to be. Um, and then Belgium... And, and of course, he has to get a hat trick where people are like, what the... <laughs> of course, it's never enough. Two, two penalties and oops. Yeah, yeah, those <laughs> penalties are super easy, right, Ronaldo? Um, Be- right, <laughs> yeah. Um, Belgium beats Tunisia five-two. Uh, a brace from Azard and Lukaku. Uh, also, Mitsubishi Meishi uh is playing for Belgium. He scored a goal, so that's great for him. Um, so Tunisia and Panama are out. They are going to play each other. Doesn't matter. Uh, England and Belgium play tomorrow, and the winner gets to go to the hard side of the bracket. So, Wes, obviously, England, you and I are starting for them tomorrow, right? So now we get to see a uh, final group match of a group that no one wants to win. Yes, Hooray. you want to advance, but you don't want to win at this point. <laughs> because, you know, we're talking about these two sides of the bracket. If you win... You're, you're congratulated by going into the brutal ass side of the bracket. <laughs> if you lose, team it ain't looking too bad on that end to be the number two team out of this group. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be playing on the wing. I'll be trundling and doling uh, <laughs> up and down up and down the uh, left wing for England. Uh, and then just to make sure England don't win, Gareth Southgate will probably start Raheem Sterling. Good call. Um, now, I will say, like, and, and I've seen this uh, on a couple news sites, and, and I kind of agree with this. A lot of people are kind of the opinion, you know, we're, we're joking here. England should, you know, not place their strong team, and if they finish second, that's all right. Some people are saying, though, you know, why do that? Why not go through with another win against a good team in Belgium, even if Belgium's already said they're going to be a heavily rotated side, but just to keep up this momentum of a really feel-good England team and even though that would put them in the hard side of the bracket, I don't disagree with that reasoning. I don't either. Um, yeah, actually, I had this uh, conversation today with, of all people, in my physician. Oh. You know, when I went in today for my for my checkup, um, I was wearing my England hat. Hmm. And he said, oh, you're watching the World Cup. Now, Ed, my physician is not a young, like, 20-some-year-old. <laughs> He's old enough to pretty much be my dad. And I was like, oh, my God, you want to talk soccer with me? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and we actually talked soccer for a few minutes, and uh, he brought up the exact same point. He said, yeah, I don't know if England wants to win tomorrow. I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> sir, I will, I, you can malpractice all you want. <laughs> That's it, not a malpractice. Very good, doctor. I'm very happy. Good, good. Um, but, I mean, I mean, that's where you're coming to, and you, you kind of have this catch-22 decision because for England right now, I think a lot of it is the feel-good factor mm-hmm. of, man, you know, we're playing good football. And I just I don't think England is one of those teams, Ed, with the youth and the relative inexperience of England. I don't think Gareth Southgate can look at his team and say, hey, guys, let's sandbag this, and then we'll turn it back on. Mm-hmm. Yes, they would end up in a, quote, harder bracket. But at the same time, I think once England are into the knockouts, they're playing with house money anyway. Mm -hmm. With the good feelings they're getting, they're playing with the house money anyway. 
I think for England, go out, win the group, and you know what, man? Once you get into knockout football, the all's fair in love and war. Mm-hmm. You know, any day somebody can knock somebody else out. We've seen it happen over the years. Um, I, I would, if it was me, I would advise England to go for it because I would, I would just be terrified that if we sandbagged it, that we would never get it back. Yeah, and I, and I, I completely agree with that. And you know, I, you don't, you don't want to assume the loss. But let's say they they get matched up with whoever from Group H if they do win Group G. Their next match, if they make it through there in the quarterfinals, would most likely be against Brazil. And if this England team loses respectably to Brazil in the quarterfinals, I don't think that many people are going to be upset with that finish. Um, I agree. It it would suck in the moment, but it would Mm -hmm. not be a horrible end to this tournament, Um, especially with the amount of negativity I think that surrounded the initial roster release. Um, with a lot of people. So I, I think I'm with you. You're going to have to play these teams eventually. And, you know, yeah, you might get through easier on the other side of the bracket. At some point, you're going to have to beat a good team. And I mean, but, I mean, the thing is, that said, you know, if you end up second in that bracket, let's, let's assume that Japan goes ahead and finishes out. Mm-hmm. Group H. Mm-hmm. You get Japan, and then you get the winner of Switzerland, Sweden. Yeah. Which, as England, you've got to feel with those two that you are right on par with them, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you might not beat them, but at the same time, I think you look at those two and you're like, hey, we, you know, this is our level right here. Mm-hmm. We could beat Sweden, and damn, then suddenly England could end up in the dead semifinal. <laughs> Yeah. And it could either be against a Spain team that has not been convincing or a Croatia team that obviously has not been to that level. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, then, you know, I mean, who knows? That's the thing. It's just, it's so much more open to be in that second bracket. Yeah. As the number two team. But, um, you know, here's my deal if England go out and play and play hard, and play to win, and they end up finishing second. Then I think they're okay. We're okay. We're fine. You know, we're going over here. We're still. You know, we didn't. We didn't sandbag or lower our level of play. Mm-hmm. I would just. I would be scared to lower my level of play if I was a single team. I, I agree. Think you just you go out, you play, and wherever you kind of just see where everything falls. Mm-hmm. And if it's um, if it's one one in the ninety second minute, and Harry Maguire accidentally own goals, <laughs> I don't think anybody would be overly pissed at him in the long run. Yeah. Uh, heroes welcome for Harry Maguire. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I think they should they should go for it and and just let the chips fall fall where they may at that point. And hey, you know, even if if they if they draw nil nil and. And a couple guys who, you know, put in, put in some guys who aren't going to play anymore. Let them rack up a few yellows, and Belgium goes through on uh, fair play. You know? There it is. Hey, that's what we got Eric Dyer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's I'm the also here where Trent, Trent might get a start, which would be awesome. I'd love to see Trent get to play. There you go. Yeah, yellow cards. Trent's got a yellow in it. <laughs> yellows to burn um and hey if, if he enters ed nazar that's great reminder folks 
The Afford Affair podcast would never condone actual injuries to people that aren't Unless the last name is Ramos. Yeah, that's true. And then we drop all three kids and want somebody to bring that fucker's leg. We, uh, don't, we don't even try to be diplomatic with that. We really don't. He, he brought this on himself. Um, when, when they go low, we need them in the head. Uh, group H, um, again, just like Group G with England and Belgium, um, hasn't finished yet. This one does have a little more going on. Uh, Japan and Senegal right now tied at four points. Colombia is at three. Poland has is sitting on zero points and has been eliminated. That is thanks to their... But good for them, though. They're still a top ten in the FIFA World Rankings. There you go. All, always it means everything. West positive Bradshaw on the case. Um, they lost 3-0 to Colombia. Goals from Falcao and Juan Cuadrado in that one. And then Senegal and Japan played a crazy match. Uh, which is why they're tied at, at four points apiece. Uh, Sadio Mane getting a goal early on for Senegal in that one. And the ageless now, Kisuke Honda, uh, with the late equalizer for Japan in there. Um, so right now, Colombia has to beat Senegal uh, in the easiest iteration to advance. They could potentially advance with a draw. Um, and Japan just needs to beat Poland to potentially win the group. So... Wes, this group is wide open, but you mentioned it earlier. I feel like you kind of want to talk about Poland a little bit, too. I mean, yeah, kind of what we said about Germany earlier. Obviously, Germany is a much more shocking one here. Yeah. Um, but a team that just got old at the wrong time, old and slow, man, that's Poland. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they've got Robert Lewandowski, but Robert Lewandowski is, he's like a consummate poacher. Mm-hmm. Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, Lewandowski can pull some beautiful goals out. But this isn't a guy who links up play and, you know, takes the ball at the top of the box and makes plays. You know, Lewandowski lives and dies upon the service he's given. And Poland just don't do it. I mean, they're not Bayern Munich. <laughs> um, they, they don't have the guys who are giving him balls where he needs them. He's been wholly ineffective in this tournament. And it's one of those things where if he's not going, they're not going. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it's been. I mean, they've been they've been pretty pathetic. Just luckily for them, I mean, they're Poland and not that many people really give a damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's a group where you don't have one of those big sexy teams in it. Mm-hmm. So this has somewhat been like an overlooked group, even though the matches have been great. I mean, that, uh, that, that Senegal-Japan um, match was one of the best ones I've watched in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, the Senegal and um, Japan are sitting there kind of as your top two right now. But Colombia still feel like the most dangerous team. Sure, yeah. Even after they lost that first match. You know, there's a di- to me, there's a different feeling about Colombia than there was Germany after losing the first win in the second. Mm-hmm. Because Colombia came out and played good football. They dominated. That They dominated. Mm-hmm. Where Germany, it took like that late worldly to get them through. You know, you, you feel really good about Colombia coming out and winning. So it kind of looks like, and with the way Poland have played, I mean, Japan looked like they're going to be the favorite to win that match. Mm-hmm. So if Japan comes one and Colombia two, 
once again, when you start looking at that bracket, I almost think, you know, on paper, you would rather play Japan than Colombia. Sure. So once again, there's another plus to finish second in Group G. Um, but, I mean, with this group, it's been exciting. This is kind of the only group that matters as we watch the matches tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect it to be an interesting run-up to the final because I think Senegal, I think a lot of people are already writing Senegal off. And I'm not doing that, man. I mean, they've got some players. And, you know, they're led by Mane. Mane, Mane. <laughs> you know what Mane can do. Score goals. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. To, I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited to watch England, Belgium, but just as a whole for a group, I'm, I'm really excited about the first round of games tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Group H looks like it might deliver the same kind of drama that uh, Germany's group delivered just about a day ago. Um, so again, knockout stage schedule for what we have right now. June 30th is France, Argentina, and Uruguay, Portugal. Uh, July 1st, Spain, Russia, and Croatia, Denmark. July 2nd is Brazil, Mexico, as well as the winner of Group G and the runner-up of Group H. And then July 3rd is Sweden, Switzerland, and the winner of Group H with the runner-up of Group G. And then again, we are going to be doing a podcast the night of the the end of July 3rd after the round of 16 is done. Uh, So we'll recap that round as well as preview the uh, the quarterfinals and uh, the semifinals coming up. Right. So, I mean, this has been a crazy tournament. This has been an awesome tournament, by the way. Yeah, it's been really, really I mean, good. Just so throwing that in there, it's been an awesome tournament. Uh, we've already had more penalties, I think, than any yeah. tournament ever. Yeah. And we're just we're finally into the not, we're not even quite in the knockouts yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been over a hundred goals already. Um, there's been one nil nil. Yeah. And as we said, it was a France-Denmark match that didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this, it's been great. It has been great. It has delivered um, the Rogue Nation uh, World Cup. Has, I think it's been fantastic so far. And I don't see it slowing down as we get into the knockouts. Not at all. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. Um, so we'll hit the news and notes real quick. Uh, a little bit of injury news to report. Uh, Manuel Anzini, who maybe could have helped this Argentinian squad, then again, maybe not, um, could is going to miss the entirety of the 2018-19 season. Uh, he picked up a knee injury the week uh, before the World Cup started in Russia, um, but this knee injury is going to keep him out for the entirety of next year. It's a, about a 15-minute recovery time, and the injury is to his uh, cruciate plus according to uh, the Mirror over in UK. So, unfortunately, uh, Manuel Anzini's uh, next season for uh, West Ham is already over. Uh, yeah, one thing for that, you know, Anzini was a guy who was on the radar of some bigger clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for nearly a year and a half now, he's been connected. You know, they bring him up, they bring his name up with Klopp a lot in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some talk after the Fakir deal kind of fell apart. Once again, don't be surprised what happened. <laughs> um, you know, they, there was some early talk of, well, do they go, you know, is Lanzini plan B? And then, you know, before that could even get going really good, he tore his ACL, so obviously he's not moving now. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately for Lanzini, they talked about this one. 
this is, you know, the way he's torn his knee, it's different than the way that kind of Oxlade-Chamberlain tore his up. Mm-hmm. They're saying this is the one that is a career threatener. And, like, we might never see the same Manuel Lanzini that we saw before. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. I mean, you know, especially, I mean, God really sucks for West Ham, who aren't good to start with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you basically <laughs> take away their best player. You know, a guy who, at the worst, you know, they could have sold him to Liverpool or Tottenham or Chelsea and got the big payday and reinvested. And now, now he's basically just going to sit on the shelf for a year and he'll probably never be anywhere near the same resale value. Yeah. So, sucks to be you, West Ham, but hey, at least you got a free stadium. There you go. It's 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 a great stadium. I've heard the bowling ground is great. Um, then our last story, again, as I mentioned in the open, very never thought I'd be doing this. Um, UEFA competitions has come down with an actual ruling against a non insignificant club. Um, AC Milan will not be playing European football next year due to financial fair play regulations. Now, they were going to be in the Europa League, so maybe this is a little bit of a blessing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but this is uh, this comes from the Court of Arbitration for Sport uh, from BleacherReport.com's uh, article. Um, AC Milan spent just a little bit too much money. There, there had been already financial fair play regulations looking they were looking into on them. And then finally, they came out just today and uh and and handed down this ban um the the club has been in a lot of financial struggles uh they they're now owned by a chinese group so it's very very weird what's going on there um still a very big club though in italy and uh west this is the first time that fifa fair play or i keep calling it fifa fair play but um uefa fair play has actually hit out at a fairly big club and given them an actual substantive ban and i don't know that someone like a psg or a man city is is in their crosshairs yet but this is this is finally one where i would sit up and take notice and be like oh maybe uefa starting to get serious about this and maybe those clubs need to kind of watch their books a little better well, it's like you said, it's the first, like, significant club. Mm-hmm. And you've got AC Milan, seven-time European champions, one of the big names of Italian football. Now that's it. Um, they they were in Europa. It's not like they're pulling a Champions League club out. The deal with what happened basically in the last year, last year, near the end of the season, AC Milan uh, were sold to a Chinese consortium. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chinese consortium basically took out these these loans with these really high interest rates to purchase players. They spent somewhere around 250 million euros last summer on new players. The the big one that everyone remembers, of course, being Leonardo Bonucci mm-hmm. from uh, from Juventus. The ownership group was basically gambling the future of the club on the fact that they would make the Champions League and get the Champions League money. And then that, with that, they would be able to start paying that alone. Their first um, pretty damn significant loan repayment is actually due in October. Right, right. 
And it, from all the looks of it, they are not going to be able to repay that loan. Um, due to that, it's actually, of all things, it's a U.S.-based company that holds this loan to this Chinese consortium. And the, what they're saying is if this um, loan payment is not made, that, that U.S. company, I cannot remember what it's called to save my life all of a sudden, that U.S. company would actually take controlling stock of AC Milan at that point, which means that if they wanted to keep it, they could, or AC Milan could go back on the market. Um, it, it's, it's actually, it actually bears a little bit of resemblance to uh, what happened to Liverpool Back in the um, back around, uh, I think it was around 2010, 2011, when um, Hicks and Gillette, our former owners, basically defaulted on a payment to the Bank of Scotland, <laughs> in which basically the Bank of Scotland held the note for Liverpool. And Hicks and Gillette, basically, they did not want to sell to John Henry and FSG, but the Bank of Scotland's like, yeah, you are going to sell to them because you owe us a shit ton of money that you're not paying us. So, yeah, we're going to call it in and you're going to sell it to them. That's basically where AC Milan could end up, in which case then you wonder, well, who would buy AC Milan? Um, and then where would the club go forward? Mm-hmm. And it is a sh- I mean, so basically it's a giant shit storm that they find themselves in right now. Absolutely, and and the one you were talking about the uh, it's a private equity fund here in the United States that actually owns right. the alone. Right. They're called Elliot, and yeah, uh, that was it. That was it. And uh, talking about there are two other U.S. Uh, owners that are looking to possibly buy AC Milan right. if, if things do happen. One of them is uh, the Ricketts family, which also owns the Chicago Cubs in Major right. League Baseball, as well as. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love Ricketts. Yeah, that would immediately have to be your second favorite team because of the Ricketts. Oh, it's all come full circle. Um, as well as uh, Rocco Comiso, uh, who owns the New York Cosmos. Um, uh-huh. So both of them are, are, are looking to potentially buy. So yeah, big ramifications possibly for AC Milan here. Uh, and just on the player sales front, it looks like you're going to have to move some players to try yeah. to raise some capital. Uh, Benucci, very high on Josie Mourinho's... Uh, Mm-hmm. Radar Man United. Uh, I believe there was there was one other person they were talking about. Oh, it's uh, the 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 keeper uh, Diorama. Donnarumma. Yes, Donnarumma. Um, and Donnarumma has been like most people connected with Liverpool. What? Okay. Uh, um, but you know, I mean, they've got they've got some players who would definitely be of interest. I think on the open market. So, uh, you know, they're not, in, they're not in quite as bad a predicament as, say, Sporting, mm-hmm. who apparently are just going to lose everybody to just straight-up free agency. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it, is a, it is a really tough time right now for AC Milan. And when you think about just the club with history, I mean, like I said, second only to uh, Real Madrid as, as European winners. Um, I mean, royalty, as in like the last, I mean, they won their last Champions League in 2007. I mean, it wasn't that long ago Mm -hmm. when they beat Liverpool in Athens. You know, it wasn't that long ago that they were the champions of Europe. 
and suddenly to be in this position that's that's ooh, that's rough that is rough it is so that's that is, that is something that's going to have to be kept an eye on you know again with with the potential US ownership which has been a little hit or miss uh, when it's come to European soccer and, and American owners getting involved. Um, you talked about the uh, the FSG investment group, which has been so far, I think, very good for Liverpool. There have been others that have been not so good. We're, we're looking at you, Randy Lerner. Yep. Bob Bradley. Anyway, um, let's... let's that's going to... That's going to do it for our soccer talk. Uh, Wes, let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Well, no, I didn't give it away earlier. I've been watching some good old Double Dare over hey. here. Double Dare back on the Nickelodeon network. And, you know, since I have young children, I, I get to watch Nickelodeon all the time now. Hooray. So uh, we've been watching a little Double Dare. Um, it's summer TV, man that much i've gotten through uh, i've gotten through all of this season thus far of um of arrested development mm-hmm. waiting for the second half of that to come out it's gonna be baller uh saw the new jurassic world movie that was i i heard that was that was even dumber than the first <sighs> i'm i'm i was never a jurassic fan really mm-hmm. Um, the reason I went and saw this one was, uh, you know, I, well, A, I, I like Chris Pratt. There you go. It's good enough for you. And he's great. Chris Pratt is worth it. He's great in this movie. Um, you know, and I'd seen the other one a couple of times, and it was fine. Um, and this one, I mean, I, I found it entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I used my movie pass. So it's not like I paid full price anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know it wasn't bad and it, it sets up there's going to be a third one and it sets up for that so you know now one thing about movie critics movie critics are kind of like the FIFA world rankings <laughs> you know they, they serve their own purposes yeah. I mean it's like I told somebody at work the other day I said you know if I just went by what movie critics said I guess I'd watch the penis over and over and that would be about it yeah stop stop ripping on gaudy it's a good movie you don't know shut up Good movie. I mean, dude, anything with John Travolta. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that guy. That guy's at the top of his game, right? <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I mean, if, if you like the dinosaurs, if you like if you like the first one, <laughs> yeah. go see it, obviously. Mm. If you don't care about it, trust me, if I didn't have the kids, I probably wouldn't have seen the first one. <laughs> so, it was, it was fun. The Incredibles 2, we saw that too. That was okay. Did you see Incredibles 1? I did. I did. I've seen, I, once again, I have a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And now a 12-year-old, so, or a 13-year-old. So, you know, that, the Incredibles 1 was out damn 10 years ago, so you know he's seen it a dozen times, too. So. <laughs> yes, I've sat through the Incredibles 1 quite a few times. Uh, Incredibles 1 better than Incredibles 2, but Incredibles 2, not bad. Okay. I've, I haven't it actually was, seen either one, so... It was fun. There you go. If you haven't seen it, if you don't care that much, I wouldn't. Hmm. If you get bored, watch. Um, one I'm name. Just watching the damn World Cup. That's what I'm watching right now. There you now. go. Perfect. Uh, one name technical producer Jackie and I have actually talked about seeing uh, the movie Tag, um, which has uh, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, 
John Hamm. Uh, yes. Um, the guy uh, from... Hannibal Burris. Yes, Hannibal Burris. And then the guy from New Girl, who I don't really remember what his name is. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, it looks like a good cast. And it looks pretty funny. And it's based on a true story. So probably, probably a good movie. I'm, I'm planning if I get this free time to go see Hmm. All right. Like I said, I, I have the movie pass, so I pay ten bucks a month to see as many movies as I want, so I might as well. There you go, movie pass. Not a sponsor of the Foreign Fair podcast, but you Unless could be. You want to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we also um, not. No, we've really talked about it a whole lot, but uh, coming up next week, uh, the the Marvel movie everyone has been yes. waiting to see this year um ant-man and the wasp not because we really want to see ant-man even though he's he's pretty all right and it's paul rudd so that's um but i think we just really want to see it because after Mar- infinity war we're like wait when does this movie take place <laughs> when? Yeah, have you seen anything about it because i've seen how the timeline runs i have not i have all I have seen are the like little random trailers they've put out. Okay. From what I've read, this takes place two years after the events of Civil War. Okay. Okay. Um, and you're going to go through there. And also, from what I understand, there are two post-credit scenes. Or there are two I did hear that. and a post-credit scene. Yes. And they are direct correlation to Infinity War. Okay. Well then, I can't wait to have this like super feel good, fun like robbery. This is a very fun. Yeah, and it's it's gonna be this awesome movie, and and then in the mid credits scene, Hope Van Dyne like fades away. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm super interested to see what happens. Um, That comes out the sixth. Yes, next Friday. Yeah, I think uh, we we might try to go see. We're gonna be in the mountains next week, so uh, try to go. Think me and the boy may have to make our see that one. Go back to town. And if you don't want to go, you know what? Go by my damn self. Won't be the first time. There you go. That's that's how I th- I saw Spider Man the first time. By the way, that's how oh. I saw Infinity War twice. <laughs> um, I actually want to look this up real quick because I heard it on a podcast today, and I never actually um verified it. I believe we might have. Yes, uh, we do have the name of the next Spider Man movie. Uh, because Tom, because right. Tom Holland can't keep a damn up. secret to save his fucking life. Yeah, he fucked up and apparently told us the name of the movie. Because he's great. I love him so much. Yeah, he's great. Um, it's gonna be Spider-Man: Far From Home, which, you know, interesting connotation with that and the way Infinity War ended. So. And that's the thing. I mean, right now everything that's coming out is like, oh, how's the what's this doing? Yes. I mean, you know, we know that Captain Marvel coming out is going to be the one after Ant-Man and Wasp and the one directly preceding uh, whatever Infinity War 2 is going to be. Um, and we know that's actually supposed to take place like in the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I would figure that there would be a post credit scene that ties that into Infinity War. I mean, we're getting way out there right now. Yeah. Just guessing. Because, oh my God, it's so it, it's more fun just to guess about that than actually talk about a lot of regular shit going on. Oh my God. It's so good. I, I like the way uh, 
Tom Holland started this video where he spoiled the name of the movie going, quote, I wanted to apologize because there's no real revelations coming out this weekend about Spider-Man 2. I don't know much about it. I'm a little confused because I died, so I don't really know how it all comes into play. Spoilers, by the way. Stop talking, Tom Holland. Stop talking. Oh, we love you, Tom Holland. Shut the fuck up. You're 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 a great little you're a great little British boy and you're beautiful. We love you. Um, speaking of great little British boys who are beautiful, Wes, I assume that means we don't have much time to talk about so raw today. Uh, unfortunately, we don't. Um, I will give you the spoiler that I read on Twitter. Jesus Christ, this is horrible. <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, first, like I said, between World Cup and it's actually my week off, and I think I work more than normal. <laughs> It's uh, it's just been a while when I haven't I had a chance to watch Raw or SmackDown. I haven't seen any. Um, I haven't even seen what happened. So I don't know the spoilers. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm certain that people online are not impressed. So welcome to WWE in the summertime, I guess. Yay! Uh, and it is officially summertime, so they can kind of go on their shit hiatus. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe next week I'll give you a little update. Um, we'll just see. That's all I can say at this point. We'll see. Oh boy! Well, I promise you nothing at this point. That's fine. I promise you, we will talk about the daggone uh, round of sixteen next week. Though. Hell yeah! We we as far as WWE though, we promise nothing and deliver less. Hell yeah! Which is kind of what WWE is doing right now. Um, but hey, they're making a ton of money because of the SmackDown deal. So good for them. That's they are. That's that they are my friend. That's great. Um, well, a, a team is going to make a ton of money from this World Cup, as are all the sponsors, and so that's great. And, you know, Telemundo did really well with Mexico not going out in the round uh, in the group stage, yeah, so they were they were sweating bullets there at the end. Um, well, but we'll be talking about a huge number for that uh, Brazil match. Yeah, that Brazil-Mexico match is going to be straight fire, as the kids would say. Um, and we'll be talking about that and all the other uh, knockout round matches. On next week's pod, again, we're going to record on Tuesday, the night of Tuesday, July 3rd. Um, I'm actually going to try to have it out Wednesday, July 4th, so you will have some July 4th potting to listen to while you're barbecuing or in the mountains or just, like, doing whatever because it's, you know, a normal day for you. Um, Balkan States, I know they don't celebrate July 4th, but you guys can still listen to our podcast. Um, it's still in, guys, so you'll definitely There you go. Um, so that's going to do it though for this episode of the pod. Once again, we are presented by NGSC sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Um, you can find them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter as a collective. We are at AFA pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, youtube.com slash the all new sports show is our handle there. All our podcasts go up there as a uh, little non video videos with audio. It's great. Makes perfect sense. Uh, you can also email us allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to all our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio Network, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Music Store. Um, so thank you guys for all of that. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll be back next week for another great episode of the pod with more World Cup. But uh, before we get out of here for this one, Wes, do you have anything else you want to talk about? 
Uh, folks, if you're catching this early enough on Thursday, you can watch Game 3 mm-hmm. of the College World Series. Oh, boy. Arkansas and Oklahoma State has been uh, – Oklahoma State, Oregon State, excuse me. Arkansas, Oregon State has been fired. Wes, why is there a Game 3, though? When I when I came in here at a pod, it was, it was 3-2 Arkansas in the ninth inning, and they were winning, and they had two outs, and every and – Because I, Arkansas – Channels their German ancestors and shit the Oh my god, that was so bad. Oh. I'm really cool for Arkansas too. I don't care much for Oregon State baseball. Yes. You are an SEC man, so. I am an SEC. I'm not a big Arkansas fan, but damn it. Oregon State just, ugh. Yeah. I just don't like Oregon State that much. <laughs> you and Carolina fans alike, apparently. Um, <sighs> yeah. Gross. So yeah, tune in tomorrow night on the uh, the Four Letter Network, and uh, and you can watch that because again, college baseball coverage, great job by them. Um, yep. So yep. even even with all the uh, crazy weather delays. So until then though, uh, we'll catch you guys again next Wednesday. We're gonna try to have the podcast out. Um, but for McCollum Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. As always, stay safe and enjoy this amazing football. And good night to our German overlords. We're no longer our overlords. You're basically our equals. Hey. Right. Join us in America yeah. watching the World Cup. <laughs> you can't win the tournament. That's <laughs> You have as much chance. Oh. oh, man. He's, he's not going to actually get fired, is he? You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.